0: You know, it's really good to be back. Well, sort of, sort of good to be back. I'm not sure all of you know, but Sharon and I were able to head down to South Carolina last week. And on our way home, we're driving through Georgia. And it was about uh, 11 o'clock there time. Which means it was 10 o'clock our time. So yes, we had the phone on the dashboard. Don't worry, I couldn't see it. You could only hear it. And we started streaming. And we were worshiping. Our truck literally was jumping off the... No, it wasn't. But, but it was unbelievable to be able to worship with the folks right here. Because I normally don't get that privilege. And then to be able to hear the preaching of Brendan and be able to pray along with you and, and praise, it was good. But I missed. I missed the time that we normally have on a Sunday. And again, we are so grateful now, every time we meet. We know that that is more of a privilege. And as our elders met this week and prayed through, again, we realize that our landscape continues to change. And we want to listen to God. We want to juggle some of the cultural expectations. And so we added some protocols and Again, not to everyone's glee and happiness, but we just felt it was really important to still meet. So thank you. Thank you for doing each of those things. Hey, we are in the story of Jonah. So I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Jonah. But Jonah is a story about sin and God's grace. I defined sin over the last few weeks that I was preaching as running from God, as rebelling, as disobeying, as living apart from God and added one thing, missing out. Grace is God chasing after us, offering us life, hunting us down before we destroy ourselves and those around us. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Is that we've all been separated from God because we're sinful. And Jesus came to die on the cross, to spill his blood, to pay our debt. So that we could put our faith in him and have life. Abundant now and eternal later. In fact, you'll see by the end of today that the text for today may be one of the greatest gospel passages in all of the scriptures. Certainly in the Older Testament, but maybe in all of them. But before we get there, let me just review a little bit. Because the truth is, no matter how impact some of these messages are, and whoever does the preaching, sometimes we forget that we're even studying in Jonah. So let's look right here. God gave the prophet Jonah a message. It was pretty simple, pretty forthright. Get up and go to Nineveh. So Jonah, being an amazing prophet, got up, and went in the opposite direction of Nineveh. He went to Tarshish. Jonah runs from God's face, we found out. We know we can't run from his presence, but he didn't want anything actually to do with God. He sins. He disobeys. And the reason he was so bold is that he really didn't think God's proposal was quite good. <laughs> in, in fact, it didn't make sense to him at all. It felt like if he was going to go to Nineveh with a the reputation there, it would be like suicide. He didn't even like the Assyrians. They were from a whole different race. So their ethnic background was different. The religion was so different, he flat out didn't like what God said or how God was running the world. But because God is gracious to Jonah, and and let me say that again, but because God is gracious to Jonah, he sends a storm. I'm pretty sure most of us, again, never, ever, ever consider storms God's grace in our life. But we're hoping as we study this story that we'll realize that a little bit more. You know, Jonah's consequences were immediate and drastic. We talked the last time I spoke about storms and how storms force a response from us. We can hide and try to escape. I like to use the word scurry. We scurry to places that might give us temporary satisfaction, or might temporarily satisfy our thirst, or might temporarily satisfy our hunger, but it doesn't last. Or we can accept God's reign and rule and ask some questions. The first question I encouraged you to ask because it's what I ask, is there sin in my life? God, am I rebelling? God, is there a blind spot? God, is there some area in Scripture that I'm being just like Jonah? And when you tell me to do something, I Just go the opposite way, completely. Second question is if there's no sin in my life, what part of my character needs to grow? What what blind spot? God, what are you trying to develop in me? And lastly, God, do I need to realign my thinking and really grow in my faith? These are all great questions. And we see again, as we just went through a few verses, that the storm affected both Jonah and the sailors. It seems a little bit unjust in some ways. I mean, why why would the sailors have to suffer? Why would they be throwing gear over? Why would they have to be put through this trauma? And again, logically, it seems, well, unwise, maybe even dumb, but we're going to see today, God has a plan. The storm did affect them, but God was at work. You're going to hear me repeat that phrase over and over and over again today. God is at work, whether we see it or whether we don't. So let's pray before we go verse by verse through the rest of chapter 1. All right? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to meet again as as your people. You are a God of compassion and mercy. You are slow to get angry, and you are filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Your ways are perfect. Your actions are just, and your timing is impeccable. Lord, I start that way in my prayer often because I need to be reminded of your reign and rule. When I look around, I'm a little confused. When I look around, it seems like, well, maybe you're not at work. I repent, Father, of that, of that arrogant attitude, thinking for some reason that I know more than you or better than you, because I don't. I pray, Father, you would grow my faith, you'd grow our faith in the mighty God. We feel helpless and hopeless at times, Lord. I felt that way walking into the polls. But all of us, sometimes as we head into the office or the job site or in our homes, we all have different storms and we all have different struggles. And, and Father, we just need your perspective. We pray for our nation, for our communities. They need a Savior. They often look to us of a people that maybe we don't want to get involved with. They think differently than us. They look differently than us. And sometimes we feel it's not up to us. We pray for the church. Specifically, Lord, although we pray for all the churches in our area, in our state, in our country, in our world, we pray for Emmanuel, we pray for Grace Point, and we pray for Land, right in our neck of the woods. God, would you use those pastors and those workers and those Christians. Father, we pray for our flock, those that are in the house today and those who are online. I pray this day, Father, for those who are serving downstairs. I'm so grateful again that we're able to have workers today and to be able to care for our little people. Father, I, I pray that you would protect each one down there, Lord. I just got an email this day for, or, or yesterday from Doctor John Matson, one of our missionaries from Kenya. He's got COVID, and he got it from working in a hospital. We pray, dear God, that you would not only be with our missionaries that don't have our medicine, and they're in places that are different. We pray, God, for your grace and your protection on them. Lord, I pray that you would do a mighty work today. And I just have to admit this, Lord, is that most of the time when Brendan and I talk, We have a plan. We try to listen to you, and we try to hear your voice. But we've been switching the order up when we have communion. And I have been speaking first, and then we would end our time with worship of song. And Brendan wanted to switch it up this day. And I listened, but God, I, I think again the whole reason this was switch was maybe just for me. I—I I, I couldn't believe the worship today. Every line felt like it was the message, and you prepared my heart as we sang about. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for that team. I thank you for the opportunity we had to worship you in song, Father. So continue to do a mighty work. Use the verses we're going to cover to convict But God, more than that, would you change our lives? It's what your word does. It transforms us. It changes us. God, may none of us leave or get up from our couches or wherever we're listening. I, I pray we don't leave the same. God, use your servant. May my words be your words. May you use this time to draw your family. Father, we love you. And teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I heard that over there. That was good. All right. Let's turn. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. And I'm going to start reading in verse 7. If you don't have your Bibles, you can read on the screen behind me. Jonah chapter 1, verse 7. And and just so you know, if this seems like a long passage, I almost want to read all the way from verse 1 all the time. So I'm really cutting it way short today. 7, all right? Then... The crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and, uh, <clears throat> and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for they had already told them, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it they groaned or literally they gasped and since the storm was getting worse all the time they asked him what should we do to you to stop this storm throw me into the sea Jonah said and it will become calm again I know that this terrible storm is all of my fault instead the sailors rode harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Isn't that classic? Right? wow. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him as a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Oh, this is getting good. Jonah's sin causes pain for him and for the crew. Now, let me just remind you, Jonah knew what he was doing. He was a prophet. He understood God. He heard from God often. His whole role in life was to be able to hear from God and proclaim to others what God has told him. So this was a very common experience. So God comes to Jonah, gives him some instructions, and he is boldly defiant. But I want you to know about this time in the story, I think Jonah begins to repent. And I know all of us love stories, and even in our own lives, when when. Well, conversion happens, and, or repentance happens, and, and everything goes well. But I think this was a process. I think Jonah was getting convicted. I think Jonah didn't respond real well at first. And I think, actually, if I look at my life, and as I talk with people, sometimes that happens Over a while, the word of God is hammering. The word of God is hammering. The word of God is hammering. And finally we go, duh, yeah, (laughs) imagine that. Well, here he is. He's in the bottom of the ship. He gets woken up by the captain to a cataclysmic reality of his rebellion. He's sleeping down there. He can hardly make it up to the deck. The waves are crashing. The sailors are tossing stuff overboard. The ship is swaying. (laughs) This baby is going down. The storm had to shake him up. He wasn't even a sailor, you know. But if you're not even used to the sea and the boat starts shaking a little bit, you got a little bit, you know, like, hey, what's going to happen? This thing going down? When he saw the shouts in the fear in the sailor's eyes. The storm did shake him up. The faces of the sailors bothered him. And I just believe the mariner's gasp was the thing that steamrolled him. As he looked and shared his story, and the sailors looked at him and said, hey, wait a minute. Are you telling me the God who formed the land and the sea you're running from? What are you thinking? Yeah. You know, looking back, we can clearly see God working right now. Hey, they they didn't see God working very well in that storm. I'm I'm letting you know. But I'm wondering if some of heaven, for those believers, for those children of God who are going to eventually spend eternity with with God, I'm wondering, especially for those who have been faithful, that part of heaven is going to be looking back and seeing God at work. Especially through the storms. Seeing why that little baby had to die, or why that cancer came at that time, or why you lost your job, or why your wife left you, or why and you fill in those blanks. So what? what's going on, God? <laughs> I, I thought you were in charge of this whole puzzle. It is not making sense. Well, one of the things that is important in this story at this time is to recognize that I think the sailors seem to get God's grace first. I think Jonah's still kind of figuring this out. Now remember, the storm flat out terrified them. And as you read, one of the things that's really clear, they had to have been in lots of storms. It was really clear to the the sailors that this storm was divinely sent. I don't know what that means. Other than it had to be a whale of a storm. Get it? Whale? Come on. I worked on this one. All right? It had to be a terrible storm. And had all the ear markings, like, I have never seen this baby before. (laughs) Whoa, we better start praying. And I don't really care who you pray to, but you start praying because we are dead. We are dead. Now, it's interesting as we read the scripture how the pagan sailors treated Jonah after they found out he was the culprit. No, i just got to uh, stop right there. If you and I were the sailors and we find out this whole storm and we are going to die because of some guy, wouldn't you have him, like, walk the plank? Wouldn't you, like, take out your sword if you had one, like, cut his head off or, or do something like that? I think I would. Well, maybe not, but, but I'd be pretty ticked. These guys treated him completely differently. They actually listened to Jonah. And even though I think they forced Jonah to talk by asking him questions, I think Jonah's forced words made sense. The light came on. Isn't it ironic at times how God uses all of us when we're actually not even walking with him? Isn't that? it's always someone you're a little mad at God and running from God and someone comes up to you hey would you pray for me come on are you kidding or a service opportunity comes up and you're a little bitter Mm -hmm. how come this always happens but God used this reluctant prophet. God was at work. I look at this as sometimes, and I don't play chess a lot. I'm not that good at it. And it seems like everyone I play is way better than I am. So if you play chess and you uh, get a little bit of the game, you know, all of a sudden, you know, your, your pawn's moving, your other ones are moving, and you're thinking, whoa, I'm just like capturing all of my dumb partners you know, pieces. And then with about five minutes after I say something like that, I hear the words checkmate. You mean you were, you were playing with me this whole time? You were setting me. And I feel it was a little bit, now, now God's way better than a chess master, I know. But it felt a little bit like this. Like God knows What's happening? God, you're at work. So the sailors asked this. They asked the prophet, what do we do to you? Now what's interesting to me, again, as I've read this, and, and again, I, I know maybe some of you are just reading this and, and trying to uh, you know, work through some of these scriptures, but what's so amazing to me right when we got to this part is that Jonah knew the answer. You know, like, what should we do to you? Throw me overboard. Wait a minute. Uh, Jonah, what do you think we should do? Throw me overboard. Dundale. Just got to do it. Wow. I think God had been talking to Jonah. I think he told Jonah what needs to happen. And although we don't understand all the things that were going on in Jonah's mind, I, I kind of have a sense there. But what was also, again, very unique is that the sailors didn't like Jonah's answer. Hey, if he was the cause, come on, throw me overboard. Yeah, great idea. <laughs> Boom, let's do it. But no, they started rowing harder. Actually, the Greek says they dug deep. They put those oars in so deep and they said, no, no, no. We are not going to cast this guy over. We're going to row back to safety. You know what? I got to tell you, those sailors taught me something as I just sat in my office and asked God some questions they really cared about Jonah's life you know i've been really sad as i've watched tv lately especially and i haven't watched it much but again all of you know that anytime you turn the news on you do anything like that there are lots of political And the reason I'm sad is that I hear over and over and over candidates who are really, really proud that they support a woman's right to choose. Now, bear with me just for a little bit here. What bothered me in this story is that we had a bunch of pagan guys They cared more for a life than I think some of the folks in our culture do. And if that candidates would say proudly that, hey, I just want you to know that this is really, really important, that I want to give women a choice. Now, we know what they're actually saying, and I'm not even trying to treat anybody ignorantly, but, but they're saying, hey, we want to be able to choose whether to let a baby live or, or let a baby die. I, I, that's what they're saying. And I, and I look at this, and what made me sad, which actually was a different response from me than in days past, I'm going to share that in a moment. But infanticide is the killing of unwanted babies. And it was a common practice in Greek and Roman empires and actually other parts of the ancient world in the first century. Pagan law and religion and the entire ethos of the ancient world saw nothing morally wrong with infanticide or with abandoning their newborns on dung heaps or garbage dumps of the cities. At times, parents drop them off at the spot, and everybody knew it in the local towns. The spot was this, is that we will leave our baby here, and if he or she is supposed to live, the gods will take care of them. But what eventually happened is that there are so many passer especially of the early church, that would go to these spots and grab up these babies and put them and adopt them and raise them up, especially in Christian homes. The Christian idea that each individual person has worth because they were created by God was foreign to a Roman pagan culture. Now, eventually, infant, um, infanticide was punished by law, mostly, though, because of the early church's radical practices of saving lives. Now, before I go on, I, I also want to say this. I think that any time there is an abortion, that this is a traumatic time. And I don't know, especially in the size of a group this big, and even those listening online, it's going to sound like your pastor is really harsh. What I want to say is this, is that I'm not so sure why all those circumstances dictated maybe choices like that. But what I would also like to say is that I think God is a God who gives hope and God who forgives and God extends grace. I I do. And that if there's anyone who is suffering or hurting because of maybe some past choices, I'd love to connect with you and and get you connected with right people so that you might be able to walk through some of that hurt. But back to the story. Most commentators right here at this time believe the sailors came to faith. In other words, it was so radical. Even the choice of words. The sailors used Jehovah, which was the covenantal name for every Hebrew. It meant I have a relationship. I have a covenant with you. Now some may say this, is that was it a foxhole experience? Did they know they were going to die? I, I don't know. But I know this, is that these men were experiencing the wrath of God, and the only solution that they had was to cry out to God. Now let's go specifically right to verse 15. I'm going to read verses 15 and 16 to you. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. The sailors eventually saw they couldn't outrow God. They threw Jonah all overboard out of obedience to God. To To the sailors, their only hope was sacrificing Jonah. One life for many. So they tossed Jonah overboard. And can you picture this? As soon as he hit the water, the sea became calm. The sailors already were giving God attention. But when this happened, they had a gasp again. The sailors were awestruck by God's power and responded. Immediately they worshipped God. That's a normal response when you see God's power, God's majesty. When you're clearly looking at God, worship is something that normally comes. These guys fell to their knees. And worshipped God. And the next thing, they vowed to serve him. This This experience was so unique. Something had changed. The way that I see it, they stopped seeking something from God. And they started to seek him. Now, again, some folks are skeptical about experiences like this, but i got to let you know I am not. I am not. I think God is relentless in his pursuit of us. I think God will do anything in order to extend his love and his grace to you and to me. I think God powerfully works in extreme situations in both the redeemed and the unredeemed. I've seen it on mission trips. I've seen it up at camp. We say, hey, wait a minute. What's what's the big deal at camp? Well, the truth is you go in an environment that's very different than you normally go in. You don't sleep the same way. You don't eat the same foods. Everything is different. And then you have to pay for it on top of it. But you know, I can tell you, time after time after time, as men or women or kids go up to a place where the environment is so very, very different, and they're able to look at God differently, and God's word somehow speaks to you differently. The last two men's retreats, there were guys that came back absolutely transformed. Could it have happened before or a different way? I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I am. I know what happened there. And I can look over all of these mission trips and camps and for believers, your pastor will push you over and over and over again to get in environments and situations like that so that God might be able to work in and through you. It's so worth it. But I also have seen it in what I would say the unredeemed sitting in hospital rooms, at an accident, hearing the news of cancer, wondering why you're not getting any work. And I'm able to share who God is and how much God loves them and cares for them. Can't always give answers. But it is so cool because all of a sudden, Funeral after funeral after funeral. Again, I you've heard me say, I love weddings. Weddings are cool. Funerals are amazing. Because all it is, is it's reality check. Hey, someday I'm going to be in that box. Or some of you that earn. Whatever. I'm going to be there. I just am. Oh, we get to talk about some hope and encourage others. God works in extreme situations. Now, some of you, again, as I've chatted with you, say, well, why didn't Jonah just jump? I don't know. I don't know why Jonah didn't jump. Apparently, God's way was, you guys toss him in. All right. So you can ask me, but I, I don't have the answer there. Now, I have to stop just for a moment I have to stop just for a moment to try to understand just what happened before we focus on Jonah getting God's grace, which isn't the very long part in the message. Remember, everyone worships a god or gods. It could be power, it could be money, it could be prestige. Usually a crisis magnifies or clarifies who your god is. If the stock market crashes and your God is money, well, sometimes it's suicide because you have no way to live any longer. (laughs) Everything's been wiped out. And you can go through that, but eventually, eventually, everyone finds out that there is only one God, and it's Yahweh, and it's Jehovah. It's the God of heaven and earth. But this God, because he's righteous, requires a sacrifice because we are sinful and we are separated from God. So what happens a lot of times before we come to faith is that we row hard. We dig deep. We don't want this God and we don't want to listen to this God and we don't want to submit to his God. We don't want this. We want to live our own lives. We want to be the master of our own ship. So we row. And we row hard. But someday we realize that rowing hard isn't working. And we listen. A life is sacrificed and grace is realized. Now let me clarify that Jesus' sacrifice was way different than the Jonah one. But this is the gospel, folks. We get to a point in our life where we know There is no other choice for life but Jesus. But Jesus. Our God is both just, he requires the sacrifice, and merciful and loving and gracious. Now, When we get to this point, what Jonah doesn't realize is that he gets God's grace. So look at verse 17. Verse 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now again, I'm not going to from up here try to explain and try to give you examples of how this is possible or not possible, I am talking about God right now. So I have no clue how God did it. I don't even know if it was a goldfish and he shrunk Jonah and that's how he did it. All right? But I know this. Our God said that I'm going to use a big fish to show my grace to Jonah. It's hard to imagine that in the darkness of a fish's stomach that God is extending grace. We're going to find out next week. It is so gross. All right? But what God was doing was refining. What God was doing was helping Jonah understand some truth. And it will be beautiful. We don't get a lot of details here in the Scripture We know that Jonah was tossed overboard. We know that the storm stopped. So at that moment, was Jonah treading water? Oh, no waves. Did Jonah, could even swim? I have no clue. Was he thinking maybe the sailors might come back and pick him up? I, I, I don't know. But I know this. We get an answer in the scripture very, very quickly. A fish swallowed Jonah. So in his wildest imagination, he is not thinking, one of my options are a fish coming and swallowing me up. Eh, no, it's not there. It's probably I'm going to drown or they're going to pick me up. Can you even imagine if he could see this fish coming at him? I mean, can you even imagine when the mouth went open? And lastly, can you imagine going down the esophagus of a fish? Oh boy. Jonah didn't understand completely how gracious God was. It was dark, it was gross, and probably his and would be our worst nightmare. Not sure any of us would see God's grace from a belly of a fish. But remember, and this is so important, God's purposes are essentially restorative. They're not punitive. We have this idea that you step over the line and God's mighty hand is going to give us a whack. Well, yeah, maybe we do get whack. But the idea isn't again to punish you. The idea is to, hey, listen, you're going off the wrong, are you going down the wrong path? I've got life for you. Would you listen to me? The story gets so good next week. But what are a few takeaways? What, what are a few takeaways? First of all. God's love means he provided a sacrifice. This is good news. God loves the whole world so that he sent his son. God is not against you, God is against sin because how much it hurts and destroys. God loves you. And God's mercy in grace is that He actually chases after us. Even uses circumstances we would not choose so that we would, have a t- our, we would pay attention. Now, let me just say this because I think this is so important. God says, I love the whole world. God says, I sent a sacrifice for the whole world. I want to extend mercy and grace for all. But, one of the hardest things to talk about, and we're going to continue to chat about this in the rest of our uh, story in Jonah, is that sometimes... We really don't like hanging out with those who are ethically or religiously different than we are. We call that word racism. And we would like to think that our church and the church isn't racist. But realistically, We get really uncomfortable at times when people don't look like us or believe like us. Even think of maybe some of the politically oriented discussions you've had, maybe with neighbors or maybe even with fellow believers or maybe underneath your own roof. how it's hard sometimes to extend God's grace and to love others that think differently than you do or look differently than you do. Oh, I think for such a time as this, God has called us as a church to make a difference. I do. Some of us are, are so sad because of all the division in our country and, and all the chaos that. But maybe, just maybe, God is going to use you and me in this world right now to bring peace, to bring hope, to share about this God. It's really hard in a classroom when you're the only one. It's really hard in the office when you're the only one. It's really hard in your house when you're the only one. God has so much for us. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we're amazed. We are amazed that you love us like you do. Because God, we do know who we are. We know how much we love being in charge. We love Well, thinking we know the best answers. But God, some of us have come to a place where we have heard your call and we have listened to you and you have welcomed us into your family. We don't deserve that. We don't but we thank you. We ask you, God, that that you would even teach us today how important it is to walk with you, how you've given us so many opportunities to be able to share the pagan world around us, that I am a child of God. And... I have decided to serve you. We love you. And we listen to you. Even in storms, we listen to you. Oh, God, use this book to change us. But even now, God, we're going to take some time to just focus, well, on your sacrifice on your love, on your grace, on your mercy, and even on your justice. Would you use this time, God, to convict and to strengthen? In Jesus' name, amen. You know, taking the Lord's Supper is huge. It's not actually to be taken lightly or it's just you know it's come kind of flippantly or or even to think you know maybe I'll I'll get some brownie points with my god Jesus gave us an example right before he died he says I'm changing some things up and I, and I want you to understand that That until I come back again, I want you just to do this often. I want you to reflect and I want you to remember and I want you to rejoice because the cross shows so much and the tomb gives us hope. I love you and I'm showing how much I love you by spreading my arms and I'm going to drip my blood. Because you're important. Now, for communion, God's kids take time to remember and repent and reflect on the sacrifice, a sacrifice that we talked about often today. And to thank God for his justice, his love, and his mercy and grace. So, right now, if you would I'd like you to take. Um, Our fellowship cups, I I know they're a little difficult, but you take that top part off and and the bread will be there and you can maybe peel back just a little bit so you can eventually get to the juice. But what I'd like you to do for this next moment is is if you're part of God's family and you want to just take this time of worshiping God and just thanking God can open up your elements. But just take the next few moments and praying and thanking God for his shedding of blood and for breaking his body for you and for me. So before I read the scripture and before we partake together, let's just quietly talk to God. especially on Easter of your amazing love for you or for us that you have for us. But God, we want to do that today. We know what it cost so that we might be part of your family. We know what it, what it cost for us to walk with you. So Lord, we pray, that you would meet each one of us in a very special way today as we partake in the Lord's Supper. We pray this, Father, in your name. Amen. I'd like to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And this was the Apostle Paul. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he betrayed the Lord Jesus or when the a night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is a new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it Father we again we are overwhelmed we are so grateful we thank you that you desire a relationship with us There's so many things swirling around in our heads but we pray father that just the idea of your great love for us would change the way that we treat you and we treat others We pray all this in your son's name Amen Let's